0: And welcome to Doing Disasters Differently, the podcast with Renee Hanvin, which is all about inspiring you to start thinking and doing disasters a little bit differently too. In this episode, I'm talking with Rachel Lopes and Emma Ashton, and they're the co-producers of the Fire and Rain conversation series. Rachel is a Community Engagement Practitioner and Emma is the Community Engagement Lead for the Forest Gateway Project and we're talking about the Fire and Rain Conversation series. So a little bit about Rachel and Emma. Rachel's an environmental scientist who's worked in the waterways and catchment management area for over 15 years. She's interested in systems thinking and the assumptions and perspectives that go into building the systems that we operate within. She loves the power of storytelling and reimagining the future, and uses these tools when working to create positive change. Rachel has a partner and two gorgeous boys and enjoys getting out into the forest and on the mountain bike trails with them and others when she can. Emma grew up in the Otways and has family all around the district. Her family have been making a living in the Otways area for almost five generations, from timber milling to agriculture and more recently in the tourism sector, This gives her a great reflection on the changes in the economy through the generations. It's a beautiful part of the world and Emma is very lucky to live close to the bush and sea with her husband and two teenage kids. So I like to start with where we met. So Emma called me when I was driving back from a visit to East Gippsland after the bushfires at the beginning of 2020 to ask me to be part of a fire and rain summit they were planning in the local Altways community. For those of you who don't know, the Otways is a magical place in the southwest part of Victoria and it was impacted a few years ago by the Wye River bushfires. Obviously because of the COVID situation, the summit itself hasn't been able to happen. But what Emma and Rachel have done is turned it into some conversations that are available online and I was privileged to be part of one a few episodes ago. And I won't share any more because we're going to find out more in this conversation. But Emma and Rachel, thank you so much for your time and for joining me. Thanks, Uh, Renee.
1: it's, It's a pleasure, Renee. Thanks for having us.
0: So I'm going to start with my first question. So what is the Fire and Rain Conversation series? And why was it so important to you both that you had to create it?
1: Ah, Good question. So... The Fire and Rain conversation series started with an awareness by some of our, some members in our community who were involved in a climate adaptation project, and we became aware that bushfire events were likely to be more frequent and potentially more devastating, so we started to have a good think as a community about what were some of the things we could do to start preparing for that that idea. Um, So we originally planned a conference or a summit in our community in April 2020, And then as the coronavirus started spreading uh, in March, we realised we had to cancel the conference and we turned it into an online conversation series. So that's kind of where it started. But we'd already um, started reaching out to various speakers and, you know, thinking about the sort of topics and the issues um, that we we thought were important to bushfire-prone communities. Um, Yeah, and it was all about trying to create our own... uh, Uh, resilience and um, awareness of these threats going forward.
0: And it's a great series and I'll put a link on our website. So who's your audience for it? Is it for your local community or have you done it literally for everyone and everyone um, in the world to
2: hear about your beautiful region? (laughs) Um, No, our audience was primarily the local community of Forest um, and the surrounding Otway towns. But we're finding the themes are also relevant for any bushfire-prone community across Australia. Um, So, it's really for anyone who lives near the bush and um, is starting to think about these things. Um, Lately, we've also found we've had some government agencies and land managers express interest in it um, and share it around as as kind of a useful conversation. So, we're not sure who our audience is, (laughs) anyone who wants to listen.
0: Well, I have to say, having had uh, and uh, been in an episode, kindly invited to participate in an episode, it's so lovely to chat with you both. And you can sense the, the real genuine purpose and mission of what you're trying to create from these conversations. And we've spoken before, I think, about these types of conversations are so important because they can organically seed the issues, positive and negative, um, into multiple stakeholder groups, and it can share some of the experiences in your communities, as well as bringing in some of the learnings and knowledge from outside your community into your community members too. So Mm. apart from my good self, who else have you spoken with in the conversations to date? And then who's next on your list?
1: Yeah, we've had some really great, um, great um, people willing to be part of our conversation series so far, um, particularly, Starting right at the top, we had a, a conversation with Robert Glasser, who uh, was the United Nations Special Representative for Disaster Risk Reduction. So he, he's addressed disasters right across the world. Um, and he, was, he gave us his broad perspective on what, what we're in for with climate change and, and the sorts of um, compounding and cascading issues that will affect us um, as, as the planet uh, warms. Um, and in that episode, we also had Justin Leonard from the CSIRO, just an amazing technical expert in, in bushfire um, behaviour, but also, you know, how, how talk to us about how houses burn down, what are the, what are the ways that um, people can p- be better prepared um, for, for bushfires. Um, we spoke with some amazing traditional owners and that's been our most popular um, conversation that people have listened to via um, our, you know, our YouTube and, and Spotify channels. But, um, you know, people talking about country and what it means to live in, in these um, beautiful landscapes that we live in and what are the totems and, and what are the, the, you know, various objectives for those areas in which we live that we can help to, you know, be better informed and then consider what, what, um, what's important around us um, as we live near the bush. Um, we talked to some community members who'd, who'd had a lived experience of bushfire, um, and then we followed that up with talking with mental health professionals about about the, the, those traumatic impacts um, on, on people. Um, and then, of course, um, the preeminent fire scientist for Australia, Kevin Tolhurst, he was our most recent um, guest, uh, along with a local guy, Tim Gazard, from the Otways. So, we've had some really great um, speakers so far, and we've still got the best to come, which... Rach and I love talking about, which is um, talking with uh, some local artists from the forest community and our local primary school and the bushfire program they're running, as well as um, some community resilience and planning experts. It's such a
0: broad group of people talking about so many important topics. I love that. And I love that you've got the kids. Um, I find you know, in my stakeholder mapping kind of background, they're often so forgotten yet being stuck in Melbourne homeschooling three small people. Um, they have such of the most amazing ideas and just getting their learnings and I guess their insights in terms of what's happening in, in, in their local community. So I can't, I can't wait to hear that one as well. Are there any common themes that are coming through in your conversations and what are you gonna do with those themes? So is, what, what comes from the conversations?
2: Mm. Yes, the clear one that's coming out in, in a lot of them is about uh, connectedness. Um, that, you know, the fact that we are all connected, everything and everyone on the planet is connected. Um, I think this come, has come out in nearly all of our, our conversations and particularly with the traditional owners. And, and I guess I personally believe that the sooner that we can deeply and truly understand what this means, the sooner we're going to solve some of the complex problems we're facing. Um, traditional owners have a much better understanding and appreciation of the connectedness of all things, and they were able to sustain themselves you know, on this planet for tens of thousands of years, so we have much to learn from them. Um, also, I just think, uh, going back to your last question and the choice of our speakers, I'm a real fan of systems thinking and looking at the, the, this, this topic, in its fullness. Um, so appreciating fire in different ways from an art perspective, we have that one coming up. Yeah, appreciating the topic really broadly. And I think we have, in society, we tend to have specialists and they they do one thing and that's, that's their thing. But we don't have enough people looking at how everything connects. Um, so I think this series is about looking at the whole system and seeing, trying to make those connections um, and help people understand that these topics are really all connected, um, but who better than the traditional owners to, to lead that, that thinking?
0: Rachel, I'm so glad you said that because I absolutely agree. I think in this space, it's full of a lot of siloed contribution and siloed outputs. And there's a real lack of, I guess, the holistic overview and the holistic thinking around all the stakeholders and all the contributions that they can make into, I guess, the outcome that we're all aspiring to building a resilient and prepared nation for current and future disasters and -hmm. it's I think to have a platform like the Conversation um, series where you can really invite lots of different perspectives and all the contributions that these different stakeholders can make. And a bit like why I created or started the Doing Disasters Differently podcast, it's for, you know, I want to learn and I, I'm learning so much and, you know, I learned so much from the conversations I've had with you both. But if we learn and then take our learnings and do something with them, even if it's just to change a little thing about how we live each day or how we do business each day, then that's going to contribute to a better outcome I have absolutely no doubt so the value in your conversation series being inclusive of all those different mindsets and contributions I think is a really positive aspect in terms of what it is so from your perspective what's the value of these conversations and what change were they going to, what change are they gonna drive so we've just talked about the fact that I think it's fantastic bringing all these people together but do you have I mean are you are you hopeful that there'll be specific outcomes from the conversations
2: Definitely, yes. Um, so we're hoping listeners gain that deeper understanding that I was talking about um, of what it means to be resilient in their community, specifically around bushfire, but as we were doing this in the time of a pandemic, as we are doing it, we're discovering the skills are relevant you know, to a pandemic and hence probably any emergency as well. It's about creating a greater understanding and appreciation of fire broadly. Um, an understanding of the risk that fire poses specifically um, as well in the forest and not waste region over the next 10 years, because we, we heard that was what we really need. Um, we need to know our own future in the next 10 years, and we had that in our last episode. And then tools and tips to build community resilience, whether it be, you know, local businesses, which we was the one we did with you, you know, what some ideas for our local businesses in town, how to manage your mental health through emergencies, and the importance of playing an active role in managing the land around you um, and being involved in those conversations, um, as well as actively looking after your own piece of land, um, and then to connect more deeply with traditional owner wisdom. So I guess we're just hoping, yeah, to plant some seeds um, and but then also be quite practical and give people little tips, tools and tips um, to get started in doing, you know, stepping one step forward to help build their resilience. I'll just add to that if I can um, for me, I think it's been about
1: this idea of community led solutions so we we sometimes talk about that the paradigm of having you know top down versus bottom up um, decision making that um, impacts on community members and so for me that's the change um, that we're hoping to drive is that um, communities can be Um, take control of some of that decision making Mm. around what's good for them you know they know they're they're the ones living there they know what interactions there are with with um, emergency services with the um, local health services or or schools and neighborhood houses and stuff so they can they're the ones that can help drive the changes um, and and the solutions how that can be done and I think more and more we're realizing especially as we're all working from home this can be done in a really professional and intelligent way, um, you know, so community members can step up and, and hold space um, in that conversation with, with agencies and with the various um, emergency service services.
0: That's so true. And I, I often say, and particularly in the current communities recovering from bushfires, that there's nothing more important than community-led recovery and community-led resilience. And in saying that, Uh, a lot of the people who are self-elected or formally elected onto those recovery groups in leadership roles, whilst they are amazing leaders and absolutely know the benefit of what are the best interests of their communities, they kind of also sometimes need a little bit help to upskill in terms of capabilities as to how to be a leader or how to lead a strategic recovery process as well. And so conversations like uh, the Fire and Rain series can really help to upskill and, I guess, start building that knowledge gap so that people can understand it more and contribute more. And a point you mentioned before, which I think is quite interesting to share, uh, Rachel, I think you mentioned it, if we prepared for disasters, about 80% of our preparation preparation is for can be relevant for all types of disasters so whilst the focus you have mm-hmm. obviously is a fire and floods fire and rain mm-hmm. ultimately and as you mentioned you know the preparedness and the conversations is relevant to pandemics yes there's that 20 percent mm-hmm. that's different to specific disasters but I think the capabilities and the skill sets can actually be quite similar so while you're building that level of knowledge sharing and resilience and, and understanding the skills and the learnings are transferable into other disaster types as well. Now you're quite an active community, I have to say, both of you as leaders in your community, and you shared with me the development of the Forest and District Towards 2030 plan. So can you tell me a bit about what is that and why, have, why has it been created?
1: yeah so i think i I said at the start of the interview we had a we had an opportunity in our community to look at climate adaptation strategies over the next ten years um, and this was another product that came out of that um, initiative so um, we were so fortunate. We've had um, feasibility studies for the last two years where we've looked at a range of issues, so from um, agricultural solutions to being prepared for bushfires and also the socioeconomic economic um, and environmental impacts. And so coming up with a, a plan for our community that we call Towards 2030, um, Essentially, we used a really contemporary framework with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and then we um, localised them for for our small community. So, yeah, we had some support uh, funding and and then support by researchers, um, but it was ultimately aimed at um, assessing our community, um, getting together and chatting about all the different issues and what what was important, and then sitting down and doing the hard task of actually writing it down and... and, um, Articulating what it was that we wanted to aspire to over the next five years, uh, next 10 years. And it's a great framework. Um, A a slight side note, I don't know if you know James Ritchie,
0: who's a wonderful peer of mine and works um, in the collective of corporate community, he's based in Germany at the moment and they actually have sustainable development flags in all the local towns and cities. So maybe you could start that in Australia. You could have some sustainable development flags that are kind of shining to showcase where you're contributing and what you're contributing to. But that's a side note, so you don't have to play that one.
1: I love that oh. idea. Actually, I'm going to take that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, um, the series obviously has a focus on fire and rain. So if you could change one thing about how fire is managed, um, relevant to your local community area or just in general, what might that be? Uh, this, is, um,
1: this is a great question. And Rachel and I talk about this after every single uh, conversation that we have with our guests because, um, you know, we just mm. we tend to come away thinking... You know, there's some things that need to change um, in this space. And, and for me, um, it's very much about the language and how we talk about fire and that we we um, use words like, you know, it, it's risky and it's dangerous and, um, and it's a scary space. When, in fact, listening to John and Jack with our traditional owners and also listening to Kevin Tolhurst, a fire scientist, you know, fire is very much part of our landscape it's we live in a eucalypt forest and this is how um, the the ecosystem needs fire to to be sustainable and to be healthy Um, so somewhere along the way we've lost that connection and we and and understanding of our, our landscape so yeah for i guess for me that's that's one thing we would like to do is talk about how we can do Fire differently. Um, and John and Jack talk about this. There is a difference between bushfire and fire. So, you know, one is where, you know, it can be a managed process that with, you know, planned burns and, and smaller, cooler burns. And the other one is when we, we suppress it and we hold on long enough until it bursts and we have no control over, over a big, devastating bushfire.
2: Yeah, I was thinking um, as well, the other thing um, that I was mentioning earlier is I would love Um, the system to work better as a system um, and to understand each other better and the agencies and the community. And um, that's one thing I'd love to see much more conversation between everyone about um, the big picture of fire. And I think... Lately, we've heard that, unfortunately, what's coming out of the Royal Commission are that the solutions are focused on investing in more high-cost infrastructure and kind of infrastructure solutions rather than the low-cost, lower-tech solutions, which is what um, Robert Glasser mentioned in the first episode, you know, and localised community solutions, this effort to reframe the conversation, um, education, building, supporting Indigenous knowledge, where yeah that's where we'd love it to be the direction to be heading but i'm not sure that's what's coming out of the royal commission sadly
0: rachel i yeah it's i agree and in fact um read the draft propositions and obviously the recommendations are due in october and exactly I think the findings that we found as well is it's kind of a bit more of the same, same. However, stay tuned because we have our resine Australia Alliance initiative that is starting to seed out um, towards the end of 2020 and your community is one of my top communities top on our list to come to and trial some new initiatives which will activated um, many initiatives and opportunities for actually doing things not just talking about it but we need to do stuff and we need to mm-hmm. feed in the language and we need to bring in some solutions and drive some social capital building um, in communities so I can't say too much but mm-hmm. because we'll Sounds definitely good. bring that one to you both now my final question is always the same and this is not limited just to your conversation series, this is anything in the disaster space. So can I ask, and you can either answer two separately or two individually, um, what would be the two things that you'd like to be done differently in the disaster space?
2: Great. Yes, well, uh, number one, I'd love our government agencies to operate more fluidly, um, to be able to change and adapt quickly and to nurture and support innovation and just be less bureaucratic. Um, and secondly, I'd love people to spend more time, um, agencies or whoever, to spend more time reimagining. And we've we've kind of switched over to this in the conversation series a bit. And we ask now our guests to to have a think about if things were working brilliantly, like the best we could possibly hope for, you know, in 10 or 15, 20 years time, what does that look like? So really deeply and imagine vividly imagine that um, and all the players and pieces of that puzzle. And then Create a plan or a strategy from there of where you want to get to. I'm I'm surprised when people are stuck in the dilemma um, how little they look for, you know, and they, they imagine that that's a future scenario. So I'd love that to happen a little bit more.
0: Rachel, reimagine is a word that actually I learned um, a few months ago from Jennifer Gray Thompson, who I had on my podcast a few episodes ago, and she's from the mm-hmm. rebuild. North Bay Foundation in California. And part of their tagline, I think it's recovery, rebuild, reimagine. And -hmm. it's that word of hope. And it's that, you know, Mm -hmm. let's not rebuild what it was. Let's not rebuild because that's the only thing we know. Let's reimagine, like, what does great look like? What is Mm -hmm. going to be a great you know, Otway's community in 10 years ahead and how, like what do we need in terms of a roadmap to get there, which I think is so exciting and so Mm. much more inspiring than just, you know, rebuilding or reasoning Mm. about the same sort of processes. So I love that you've included that. Emma, how about you?
1: Yeah, so two things um, that I'd like done differently in the disaster space. Well, firstly, for me, I'd like to start at a much younger age. I think we need to start with our school kids and just for all rural school communities right across Victoria and and Australia that are impacted um, in bushfire prone areas, just start talking about it with our our young kids because as adults, as we know, our lives get so busy and it's really hard to cut through. Um, so, if we get some of that basic understanding happening at a really young age, I think it just, it sticks with us and we, we have it just as part of our core and found foundational learning. So, for me, that's that's the first thing. Um, and secondly, this idea of these community-led solutions, like just keep talking to communities about the, the things that are important to them and, and, and the impacts that, that, that um, things like bushfires can have on them because they'll help come up with the solutions and they don't have to be, like we were talking about earlier, they don't have to be Um, high cost infrastructure solutions they might be small low-tech solutions that um, we can help us just be a little bit more aware of our environment and the things around us and and ways that we can um, you know plan going forward be more resilient and reimagine that better future. So important so true and I
0: often like to say that it's the small things that can actually make the biggest difference and I think there are a lot of examples and that's another Um, I guess, common theme that's coming through on the conversations that we're having is that it doesn't have to be these high systemic, high level, major infrastructure investments. In fact, we um, potentially will get a lot more out of just investing in the little things that can change a lot, you know, led by the communities needing the change. Rachel and Emma, thank you so much for joining me. So in this episode, I've been talking with Rachel Lopes and Emma Ashton, and they're the co-producers of the Fire and Rain Conversation series. And again, I've put a link to the series on our website. Dare I say it, we have been talking about the Fire and Rain Conversation series. Thank you so much for your time. And I really can't wait to hear more about the great work that you're doing in your local community. Thanks, Renee. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Renee. Lovely to chat to you. That's the end of this episode of Doing Disasters Differently, the podcast, which I hope you found to be relevant, informative, and inspiring. If you're interested in participating in the conversation or to connect with me personally, please visit corporate2community.com. Until the next episode, stay safe and remember we all have a role to play in thinking differently and doing differently before, during, and after disasters.